Good morning. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Chavzayin in Maseches Tainis. We left off having read the large singular Mishnah in the fourth, begins the fourth parak of Maseches Tainis, just to get you oriented. You always thought that Neila was associated only with Yom Kippur. Turns out that there were two other, right, a very uh, important times of the year. One of them was the Tanios, that you would have the service of Neila. As we do on Yom Kippur, at the end of, after Mincha, right, as the gates of the day and of the tefillah are closing. And the other one was what was called the Ma'amadas. Today, taking a page out, out of Ari Leibowitz, the great Dafyomi master's book, he, before every uh, daf, he gives a little bit of a heads up as to what we'll be learning. So we'll get first into a little bit of the technicalities of these tefillahs, because our Mishnah did imply that there was a Shacharis Musaf uh, Mincha and Neila on all three of those uh, time periods, being the Mamadas and the uh, Raitanios, as well as Yom Kippur. Um, so we'll start with some of the technical details of how that works with Musaf and the Mincha, etc. But then we'll get to, as we arrive at Chavzayin, the, the fascinating history of the Ma'amados. Right, we started to describe the Ma'amados when we learned the Mishnah. This amazing thing. A Ma'amad technically means like a stand. What it really means is a stand-in, which it, what it really, really means is when you bring a Korban, you're supposed to stand with your Korban, right? What, what uh, sense would it make for Barry to bring a Korban in your Shalim and he's sitting in Baltimore, right? It's supposed to be an immersive experience where you're actually sacrificing, so to speak, with the animal as a proxy for yourself. So what the Torah is machadish is that you can have a proxy for you uh, do the ma'imad, a stand-in, so to speak, to bring the korban on your behalf, okay? And the Torah says you can do that. We learn it out from the fact that the Torah tells us that when we bring the korban tamid, it's supposed to represent every single member of Klal Yisrael. So by definition, since it's physically impossible for every single member of Klal Yisrael to be present at the Hakravas korban tamid on every day, so we know that you could do certain korbanas like that with a maimed, a stand-in by proxy. Okay, that's basically the source. But the idea of 24 ma'amados, which we also refer to as 24 mishmaros, the two terms are essentially interchangeable. In other words, it's a rotation, right? The Mishmar is a rotation of Mahmados. Uh, how did we break it down to 24? The Gemara will discuss historically how that uh, came to be. And we'll also discuss how when the uh, Klal Yisrael came back in the times of Ezra from Bavel, uh, there were few and far between, indeed, the Jews that were willing to go up such that only four out of the 24 Mahmudos, the Mahmudos used to be families of Kohanim. Uh, Birnbaum was telling me, haven't mentioned him in a little while, he was telling me that uh, in the back of one of the Chumashim, or the Tikkun Yerushalmi or something, there's a list of the Mahmudos there too. You could look at all the families, and uh, you could see what was, uh, uh, right, who everybody was, but we don't know, you know which we are, but only four out of those 24 families did come, and they were not the most prominent, as as is often the case, we'll be reading this week's parsha. Klai shall set themselves in in uh, self uh, in uh, themselves up in Goshen. Rabbi David Katz asks a fascinating question. They came to Goshen in order to because of the famine. When the famine ended, you know Goshen, you could take a boat ride for twenty minutes to Eretz Israel. Why did they not return? They were very close. They could have gone back to Eretz Israel. 
Well, he speculates there was a big financial, just like has been historically throughout history, right? There is a financial incentive. They were doing very, very, very well, Goshen. Very hard to leave, right? Just like it was hard for Jews to leave Europe, even when things were looking really bad before the war. Or in the case of the Golos Bavel, coming back from Golos Bavel was really the downtrodden. In fact, that didn't have much to live for, so to speak, that came back. And we will see some of the fascinating history there. Maybe Bizocha to all return in full strength to Eretz Yisrael and to rebuild the base of Mikdash and restore the Mamadas Mishmaras Meher Bimene. Okay, so without further ado, we start with the Gemara and Chavav and Beis. And the Shmuel HaKatan, our homework we were able to do. The, the, the Shmuel HaKatan, we, we sent out, he was so called for his humility, or perhaps because he was so great that he was only secondary, like Shmuel Jr. to Shmuel Hanavi. And Mechoza was in fact one of the most prominent cities in Bavel, as we discussed yesterday. And um, in fact, Rava, you'll recall from Maseches Brachos, uh, Baye took over for Rava as Rosh Yeshiva. That um, sort of dis- uh, was, the Yeshiva was relocated at that point, but the Yeshiva where Rava had been, the Rosh Yeshiva, was in Machoza. Machoza is mentioned in Oh, just about every Masechta we've learned. We have mentioned in Brachos, we mentioned it in Shabbos in a context, uh, we mentioned in Erevin, we mentioned in Yuma. Machoza, um, if you put it all together, very, very wealthy, very, very wealthy city. Uh, the women in Machoza were known as extremely wealthy, and they are mentioned in the Gemara in the context of being somewhat spoiled with their wealth, uh, etc. Uh, a lot of different aspects of the uh, topography of Machoza was mentioned in Erevin, and so uh, we, we should be well familiar by now with various aspects of that famous big city in Bavel that was eventually destroyed. Okay, Bishlosha Prakim, ready? So that's what the mission has said. It said that they, this is talking about duchening, right? So it says four times a day. Well, what are the three times that you do Nesias Kapayim four times, right? Uh, fast days, Mamodos, and Yom Kippur. The problem is those four things, well, Shachris and Mincha and, and, and ironically, Neila, are in fact present at all of those occasions, at, at the Mamados, at the fast days, and on Yom Kippur. But Musaf is what sticks, what sticks out as being unique because you don't say Musaf on a fast day. You don't say Musaf at Mamados. You only say Musaf on Yom Tovim and Rosh Chodesh. So on Yom Kippur you say it, but not on the fast days, and that's where the Gemara picks up. Taniyos and Mamados, Mi'ika Musaf, do we say Musaf on the Taniyos and Mamados? So the Gemara answers, no, the Mishnah is deficient, we're going to fill it in here. The Mishnah is missing something, we're going to fill it in. That on three separate occasions, namely, right, the, the um, Mamados, Yom Kippur, and Fast Days are the days where there is, in fact, Nesias Kapayim, calls Man Shemit Balin. And it's true that they, every time that they are um, davening, Right, which is normally just Shachos, Mincha, and Neila, they're going to be doing the Siyas Kapayim. However, for Yesh Mahen, there is amongst those Kufos where, right, we have the Neila and we say the special, uh, the special, uh, uh, right, insertions of, that we have in the Mamados and the Tanios, right, there is one of those days where there is a Musaf. Yesh Mahen Arba Pamim There is among that list one day that happens to have four Tfilos in the sense that Musaf is added. Which is that? So Shachris, Umosaf, Mincha, Unilas, Sharim, right? Those four Tfilos, Ve'elu, Hain, Shlosha, Prakim. These three occasions are Taniyas, Mamadis, and Yom Kippurim. In other words, again, the three occasions are Taniyas, Mamadis, and Yom Kippurim. 
the three tefillos that all of them have are shachris, mincha, and ni'ilah sharm. But there is one of those three occasions, namely Yom HaKippurim, where in addition there is a musaf. That's all. That's all the Mishnah had meant to say. Okay, so now we're all clear. Now, we're going to try to identify the town of our Mishnah because you'll remember, or you might remember, there was a machlokas about whether one of the tefillos knocks out Musaf or, or, um, or Ne'ila, or Mincha or Ne'ila, let's see. Amar Nachman Amar Rabbi Barabua. Zudiv Rabbi Meir. Okay, that this whole Mishnah is Rameir. We know it's not Mishnah, it's Rameir. Okay, so that Chachamim hold that you only have Nesiyas Kapayim and Shachos and Musaf, not at Mincha Ne'ila. As the, right, Raisa continues to say, Mincha um, Ne'ila ain't behem Nesiyas Kapayim. Right? That by Mincha Ne'ila, according to Chachamim, you don't say. So you only do it in the first two tefillas, but not by Mincha and Ne'ila. Man Chachamim. So which Chachamim exactly referring to? So that's Rabbi Yehuda. So the Tanakama is Rabbi Meir. This second opinion that you only say the Nesiyas Kapayim by the Shachos and Musaf, that's Rabbi Yehuda. How so? Uh, because the Tanya, Shachos and Musaf, Mincha Ne'ila, Kolon Yesh, Rabbi Nesiyas Kapayim, Rabbi Meir. Right? We have a Brice that says that explicitly. And Rabbi Yehuda, Omer, Shachos, Musaf, Yeshua, Messias, Kapayim. And then, Mincha, Ne'ila, Ein, Behem, Messias, Kapayim. So there we go. We've identified Rabbi Yehuda as that Shita. And now a third Shita. Rabbi Yossi, Omer, Ne'ila, Yesh, Messias, Kapayim. Mincha, Ein, Messias, Kapayim. Rabbi Yossi holds, uh, splits, splits the difference, right? He'll have Shachos, I think, and most of everybody would agree you do Messias, Kapayim. Rabbi Yossi does not have Messias, Kapayim by Mincha. But he does by Ne'ila. What would be the Svar? As follows. But my Rabbi Meir Savar. Meir says you have Nesias Kapayim by everything. He holds a Kol Yomataima. Milo Parshe Kahani Yadai Biminchasa. For what reason? In other words, every time you're supposed to, really, ideally, you should have Nesias Kapayim, Mi'ikardin, we'll say, uh, at every tefillah. However, at Mincha, some hold that you don't say Nesias Kapayim. Why? Mishum Shichurus. Because later in the day, you never know who's drinking. Now that's interesting, right? Because I think all Kohanim would be doing the Siyas Kapayim. Remember, we had a conversation before. If you're one of the, if you're one of the Mishmar, then you don't drink that whole week, right? Because you got to do a Voda day and night. But we see drinking was really a big part of the culture. And you can't ask a Kohanim to never drink, and he has to do the Siyas Kapayim. So you could ask him not to drink, you know, before noon. <laughs> But, uh, but once it's later in the day, you're going to expect him to drink it. So by mincha, it's too much to expect him to do his kapayim. Okay. However, ha'idna leka shikras. But as we said, if you're on a fast day, certainly, on Yom Kippur, certainly, and also on a maimud, which is part of the mishmar, on those days, there is no shikras because you're not drinking those days anyways, right? So once you're not drinking, you may as well do his kapayim on those special days, all of the tefillos. That was shitas Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yehuda, however, Savar, Shachris, and Musaf, the whole Yom Aloshkiach Shichris. Now, that every day of the year, you don't have Shichris, Lo Gazru Rabbanan. However, Mincha Neila, the whole Yom Ashikicha Shichris, Gazru Barabanan. In other words, Rabbi Yehuda is saying like this that, um, in other words, Rabbi Meir would agree with Rabbi Yehuda that on a regular day, it sounds like, you only do duchen on shachos and mincha, right? Um, on shachos and musaf, rather, right? In other words, Rabbi Meir would agree with Rabbi Huda that the rest of the days, you don't do mincha and you don't do uh, duchening at mincha because of shachos, right? It sounds like the days that you are doing duchening 
at Mincha Ne'ila are only of these special days when you're not going to be drunk anyway. And Rabbi Yudashita is simply that we're making a Gezerah just like we normally don't do Nesiyas Kapayim and everybody would agree they don't normally do Nesiyas Kapayim by Mincha and by Ne'ila. So too, on these special days, even though you're not going to be drunk, we have a Minhag already that we don't Duchen by Mincha Ne'ila. That's all. Okay, what would be Rabbi Yossi's svara for splitting the difference? Rabbi Yossi's svara, Mincha de Isa Bechol Yoma Gazru Barabanan. Right? So Mincha, obviously you daven every day. So we're just going to make a low plug. Mincha every single day is no duchening. But Ne'ila de Leisa Bechol Yoma, right? So now we can see a real svara here, right? Ne'ila you only have on these special occasions. So what, what would be the Gezera not to do it by Ne'ila? Ne'ila only appears on those special days when you're not drinking anyway. So therefore, why would you expect it to, to, there is no case where you have Ne'ila and you're drinking. And therefore, you don't have to extend the Gezerah to Ne'ila as well. Very good. So, I'm a rebuke, I'm a rav, who's a lachalai, a lachalai, a rebbe mayor. Then, no special days, you're gonna dukhan on all those. But that's rebuke, that's rav shita, rebbe yachanamar, nagu am karebi mayor, rebbe yachanan agreed, berava amar minha karebi mayor. So, everyone's in agreement here that we hold like a mayor, we're gonna say on these special occasions, dukhaning at all of them. Man, the amar, a lachalai, mayor, dashinan lobepirka. Those who held like a rebbe mayor, would be able to speak so publicly, give a sheer klali, the whole world do about this. Mandar minhag, right? So you'll notice, right, that Rabbi Yehuda said that that's the halacha. Rabbi Yochanan said that it's, right, a minhag. And Rava, well, nahaguam. And so what's the difference between saying that's a halacha and saying that it's a minhag? Oh, somebody's stuck outside. We can pause. Okay, sorry. Pause for Goldberg's delivery, which in Baltimore is a very important uh, occasion. So we're ten lines up from the bottom of Chavavim Bay's like this. There's a difference between halacha and a minhag. Is halacha you could teach it as a sheer klali. A a minhag is not something that we're going to teach. Uh, Rabbi Rose isn't going to like say it over the sermon, but we'll do it anyways, right, on a case by case basis. And Manda Amar Nahagu, right, which was where Yochanan said, so that's even less, that's Uruye Lomarinan. The Avid Avid Veloma Hadrinan In other words, we're not even going to give that uh, halacha uh, in private, but if it turns out that we duchen, we're not, we're not going to make people go back. Because it's, after all, a defensible opinion. And therefore, Rabbi Nachman Amar Halacha Karebi Yosi. Here, as we have, not like Rabbi Meir, but we hold like the halacha is like Rabbi Yosi, that you're going to say, the duchening and ni'ila, but not at mincha. And in fact, the Gemara concludes after all this, right? You had Rabbi Yochanan, the great Gadol. You had Rava, everybody, the great Rosh Hashiva. They all had like Rav Meir, but sure enough, halacha is like Rav Nachman, who says that the halacha is ke Rabbi Yossi. So it concludes the Gemara, but halacha ke Rabbi Yossi. Ask the Gemara. Why wouldn't a minhag be taught from? Right, if it's a minhag, Barry wants to know if it's a minhag, so why would we not teach it? Because, and the answer is because a minog is something that developed as a custom, but we're not, that, not as a sort of like as a matter of uh, policy, but not born out of a certainty as to that being the halachic decision, as Rashi explains. Right? In other words, there's two, way, two reasons why you might do, do something. You might do it because you know that it has, so it has been decided, so it has been voted on, and there's a un- unanimous sort of like uh, consensus decision that this is the halacha psuka, right? But sometimes you don't know. You, and so therefore you have to go by what your nohag, even in the in, in a, in a presence of doubt. So minhag really 
right, uh, concedes that there's doubt, but we're nohig this way. Don't get me started on international dateline, right? Like, there's an international dateline, and there's great uncertainty, just as an example, as to where it is. So if Heinemann here in Baltimore holds, well, you have a rove of shitas that hold that it's on one place, and then a miyot that holds it in the other place, so we're going to do a minhag, we're going to be noeg, right, like the rove. But that's not because he knows where the international dateline is, right? That's sort of like a, uh, right, uh, yeah, it's almost like a compromise, right? It's almost like we have to do something and we need to know which way to go. And so we're going to uh, not say that this is a halacha psuka. Now, technically you're right. In other words, I could give a shear and say, I don't know the answer and this is the minhag. It's not like we don't mention it, right? This is not like we have a gag order to tell people what the minhag is. It's just when we tell people what it is, we don't uh, present it as a halacha psuka. We explain that it's a minhag. Um, all right. Okay, so after all of that has been said, we're say a lacha like Rabbi Yossi, and so we only do it at Shachris, and then at Musaf, and then in Elah. Why do we see Kohanim duchening today at Mincha on fast days? We don't, but you know, in those days. So as the Gemara says, So Rashi says over here, the, the uh, first very wide line on the bottom. In other words, that this kind of mincha that you do on a fast day goes really, really late, right? It's one thing to, on a regular weekday. As we had said that Neila is different than Mincha because Neila is only appears on those days when you're not drinking anyway. So the answer could be that a Mincha with a laning and uh, right and and Avinu Malkeinu and all of the special extra prayers that you're doing that also doesn't happen every day. That also only happens on days when you're not drinking anyway. And therefore, it's like Neila. It has the same halacha as Neila, and that would explain why, even though we hold like Rabbi Yossi, we might also uh, duchen at Mincha. In the days of the Gemara, fine. So now the Gemara asks, It's a fascinating question. In other words, all of this assumes that you're not allowed to do in the state of inebriation. Well, where do we learn that? Why do we have the Parsha of Duchening in the Torah right next to the Parshios of the Nazir, Lomar, Mana, to create a, a Hekesh, an equality here. Lomar, Mana, Nazir, Asr, Biyayin, Av, Koin, Mevarach, Asr, Biyayin. Just like a Nazir, obviously, he's not allowed to drink, so to a coin should not do so in a state of inebriation. He shouldn't drink when he is Duchening. However, Matkifla, Avur, Rabbi Zera, Avur, indignantly attacked this, this Shita because there's holes in this analogy. How, some say it was a Shari Bazavda as follows. In other words, he's saying that it's equal. Well, a Nazir can't only not drink. He can't have any grape products whatsoever. So you're going to say a coin can't have grape products because he has to be essentially a Nazir? That doesn't make any sense. Now, the Pasuk says to serve and to bless, right, and to bless. So, in other words, right, that part of the Pasuk that says that you're being Misharis uh, sort of modifies the analogy. So we create an equality between the coin who's Mavarich and the Nazir in the sense that they can't drink, but then we bring it back a little bit and say, no, that there's certain things that a Sharis is allowed to do, uh, such as have great products, 
that the Kohen Misharis can, in fact, do. So we end up getting this hybrid thing where it's not really like a Nazir. You're allowed to, of course, have great products, but you should not be drunk, just like a Nazir should not be drunk. So finally, as we arrive at Chavzayin Amadalaf, at the manageable yet time at 5.56 a.m., we say like this, Ima Misharis Balmum, Lo. So now we're just going to say like this. Since we compare to Kohen, right, um, who is Misharis, right? Because first we complain, uh, compared the Kohen to the Nazir. Now, by bringing up this idea of Mesharis and Mevorech, so now we're comparing a Kohen who's Mesharis in the base of Mikdash to a Kohen who's Duchening. Are, do they have the same uh, criteria? So let's see. Well, Imam Mesharis Balmum Law, we know that when a person who, uh, a Kohen who's serving in the, uh, in the, uh, Mikdash, he's not allowed to be a Balmum. Safkor Mevorech Balmum Law. So you would think also a Kohen who is doing Duchening can't do so if he's a Balmum. Now, you might be aware of the fact that a Kohen who's a Balmum really can't Duchen, right? We say like a Kris Shifcha, or a person's missing a finger, where we don't let those Kohanim Duchen. So the art scroll here has, has an interesting note uh, uh, that brings the Gemara and Megillah that we're going to be starting on Tuesday, Bezrat Hashem, that yes, those external Mumim, right, that the, that's going to distract the Kehila, those are the ones that are not, uh, that not allowed for the Kohen who's doing Duchening. But this is not talking about that. This is talking about a real, when you, in order to be a Misharis, even if you have a, a mum that people can't see, you are disqualified from doing, uh, Sheirut in the Beis Amikdash. So, this is not so for the Kohen, uh, who is Duchening. The Kohen is Duchening, it needs to be like a really outward thing. Okay. So the Gemara says, Ha'it Kishle Nazir. So, no. With regards to Duchening, that's compared to a Nazir. That's why even an invisible mum, so to speak, um, is going to not disqualify the, right, the, uh, Kohen who's Duchening. That's true of Nazir too, obviously. Being a Balmum doesn't affect your Naziris, okay? So the Gemara asks, wait a minute. So you were able to take this Kohen who's Duchening. You had the option, right? You could have compared it to the Nazir, Lakula, and say that a Balmum can Duchen. Or you could have compared it to the Mishares, L'Chumrah, and said the Balmum cannot Duchen. What made you choose to make the comparison to the Nazir when you had given the option of both? Ask the Maru. My chazis to Makshis L'Kula. Right? What made you think that it was a good idea so, so, that you saw fit to compare the Duchening coin to the Nazir as opposed to the Kohen Mishares? Akish L'Chumrah. Maybe you could be Makish to the Kohen Mishares instead. So says the Gemara. Asmachtaninu midarabanan ulakula. Whenever you have these comparisons, right? This is not a hekesh midaraisa where the Torah told you one way or the other, or it's not really a daraisa where you have to go lechumra. Rather, this is just dinim dirabanan, right? Midaraisa, the Nasiyas Kapayim maybe could do it as a Balmum entirely, and therefore if you wouldn't be able to do so, it would only be a gezera dirabanan. For the hekesh dirabanan, you only go lekula. All right. So now we're four lines down in Chavzayin Amadav, and we do some history here. Elua Mamados, what was the Mamados as follows? My Kamar, what is the Mishnah saying? What do you mean, what's the Mishnah saying? So the Gemara says, Haki Kamar. In other words, the Gemara says, Elua Mamados. This is what the Mamados are. And then it just says, Lafisha Neymar Tzavis Bnei Israel. The Mishnah tells you, here, I'm going to explain to you what Mamados are, and then it gives you the source. But before you give me the source, please explain to me what it even is. That's what the Gemara is asking. My Kamar, so this is Haki Kamar. This is what the Mishnah is saying. Elua Mamados. 
I'm about to tell you what the Mahmudas are, but first let me tell you why they made the Mahmudas. Because it says, as we've discussed, right? This is the Pasuk that says, everybody has to bring a Korban Tamid. Says the Gemara. How are you going to say that every human being, every member of Klal Yisrael is going to bring a Korban if it's physically impossible right, for every member of Klal Yisrael to be standing over their Korban? Says the Gemara. So now we're going to say, write a time stamp. It was the Nevi'im Rishonim that were metaken esrim v'arba mishmaris. 24 mishmaris. And then I'll call mishmar. Umishmar hayamaymid biyushalayim. And corresponding to every one of this rotation in the Mishmaros of the Kohanim, there was what we call a Maimed in Yerushalayim, Shel Kohanim, Vishel Levim, Vishel Yisraelim. Right? As we discussed already yesterday, that the Kohanim had a Maimed, and the Levim had a corresponding Maimed of their families, and even the Israelim had a corresponding Maimed. And then, Higiazman, Mishmar Lalot, when the time for your rotation, for your family, it came, Kohanim, Levim, Oilim, Yerushalayim, the Kohanim and the Levim, would go to your shalim, right? The Kohanim would do the avoda. The Levim would, right, sing, etc. And the Israelim, as we will see, went into their shuls and davened the special davening with a special kriyas Torah, etc. So let's discuss this. There's a brisa that claims that there was 24 mishmaros in Eretz Yisrael, and it sounds like shteim esrei beyericho. Well, what is it? it what is that? Another 12? Wait, then you end up with 36. The Gemara explains, no, no, no. What it means is, Yeah, that makes the most sense, that you would have 24 Mishmaros, and 12 of, the, of those 24 were in Yericho, because it says, right, So Yericho is in Eretz Yisrael, obviously. So 12 of them in Yericho. Now that's a lot to have. What, half of the Mishmaros were in Yericho? What does that even mean? So now the Gemara explains, this is what went on. It was for the overflow, right? Like when you stay, you want to stay in Manhattan for Thanksgiving, uh, as my kids, uh, as, as one of my kids did. So he wanted to stay in Manhattan, where my mother lives, but the, it was prohibitively expensive. Manhattan was all jammed up in the hotels. So he stayed across the river in New Jersey, right? Uh, and, and, then, and he was able to go in. So similarly here, we should have these, this kind of problem where it's time for this. So, right, they're coming from everywhere, but let's say you're coming from other parts of Israel. So everyone wants to be in Yerushalayim, right? Because that's where the Avodah is going to take place. However, right, a fascinating arrangement where half of them, you didn't have room. It wasn't practical. It was, it was a pragmatic issue. Right? In Yerushalayim, you were able to house 12 of the Mishmaros, and the other 12 will go to Yericho in order to bring food and water to those in Yerushalayim, like as a pragmatic matter, is the overflow, right, in order to facilitate everybody being able to go. It's fascinating. Okay, so now, Amar Yehud Amar Shmuel, Kohan Levim Vesol Me'akven is a carbon. It's unclear what this statement means. There's a lot of machlokas amongst the postkim. The, does me'akven as a korban means that all of the Kohanim Levim and Yisraelim have to do exactly as prescribed, otherwise the korban is no good? That's what me'akev sometimes means. Or does it simply mean literally that it uh, delays it? Be that as it may, everybody should do what they're supposed to do. And Satana in the Bryce it was taught, Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar, uh, he says, Kohanim Levim uchleshir me'akven as a korban. 
that even the chlei shear, obviously the instruments, which are obviously the leviyams, everything has to be just in place, otherwise it's me'akev. Let's go with the claim shot, which is to say that without that, it's essential. That's what the art scroll goes with that shot. That without, it's essential, and without that, the korbanas are no good. Ask the Gemara, but my kamiflagi. Well, the only thing that he adds is the klishia. So that's the old machlokas we had at the end of Masecha Sukkah. Right? That Shmuel holds that Bepeh it is, and Rabshim ben Elazar holds that the Iker Shira of the Levim were really the instruments, and they were just humming along. Well, if that's the case, so then the instruments would be Me'akev. Okay? That's basically the Machlokas there. And now, history. Last thin line. At the manageable, believe it or not, time of 6.04 a.m. We could do this, Barry. Because uh, we don't have Andrew holding us back. Just kidding, Andrew. We miss you terribly. Okay, like this. Oh, so it started off, right? You only had Aaron a coin doing it on his own. Then he started, Moshe was attacking the rotation. How so? Nadav and Aviyu had already been killed, apparently. So you only had two left, two sons of Aaron, Elazar and Itamar. And therefore, he split them up, four from each family, for a total of eight. Shmuel, Hanavi, uh, added, doubled it to 16. And David added another eight. Total of 24. Okay, the, this is in Divrayamim. Um, if you read Divrayamim and the, and the Prakim leading up to it, it actually discusses the 24 Mishmaras. Okay? It says it beferish, that it's 24. Okay. So then the Gemara says, Meisvei, Moshe Tikkalem Leisrael Shmoni Mishmaras, Arba Melazar Arba Mitamar, Ba David Shmuel Vimidon Al Esrim Ve'Arba. So we have a Bryce that makes that starts off saying like we said that there's eight that Moshe was Metakin, but then it sounds like there wasn't a progression, but rather David and Shmuel together make it up to twenty-four together. Shneim Arhema Yisad David Ushmuel Haro Ebe Munasam. The pasuk puts David and Shmuel. Together as establishing for all time, making, making it sound like it was a joint effort to turn the 24, not a progress of first Shmuel doing 16 and then David finishing it off with 24. So the Gemara resolves it. So it's not really a steer. They're both saying the same thing. Meaning that, yeah, in other words, it's the progression as we said. Shmuel made it 16, David made it 24, but the bottom line is what resulted was a progression, right? A process whereby by the end, once you were finished with Shmuel and David, together they collaborated to turn it from 8 to 24. Fine. However, now we have a Bryce that really contradicts all this. History is following. The Bryce says that this was all done by Moshe Rabbeinu. He started off, first of all, with 16. Not 4 and 4, but 8 and 8. And then Bnei Elazar outnumbered Bnei Tamar, and so he added another eight to, rep- to represent and reflect the extra, right, eight of Elazar. And therefore, it turned out to a ratio of two to one, 16 for Elazar, eight for Itamar, for a total of 24 in Bishmaros. Shinemar, Vimatsu Bnei Elazar, Rabim, Lorashea, Gvarim, mean Bnei Itamar. The Pasuk says explicitly that there were more Bnei Elazar than Bnei Itamar, Bechalkum, this is all the very yamim. This cannot be more explicit, Barry. There's psukim in the very yamim that explains that there were more bnei elazar bnei tamar, there, and therefore there were sixteen bnei avos for elazar and eight for itamar for a total of twenty-four. 
The Omer base of Echad Achuz, Lazar Verachuz Achuz Leitamar. That the extra family unit for a Lazar, uh, right? This is a. Vachuz Achuz Leitamar means like this. Echad Achuz Lazar means that an extra Achuz was added for a Lazar. An extra Achuz, Achuz in uh, colloquial Hebrew is a percentage point. It means like a unit, okay? That's where it comes from. That a unit was added to a lazar. Echad achuz lazar means a unit was added to a lazar. Whereas achuz achuz itamar means that the achuz, the unit had stayed as it had been for itamar. So it's another way of saying when they started, they both had one unit of eight. And then an additional unit of eight was added for a lazar when they procreated more than itamar. So you have the double portion, the ratio of two parts to one part for a lazar to itamar, and therefore eight and eight for a lazar is 16, plus another eight for itamar is a total of 24. Says the Gemara, why do you say for Omer? Why do we need these, both of these psukim? Vechitema, because of the following. Because you would have said, you might have thought, if you just look at maybe you would have thought that what? That they, they both just grew in great numbers, and therefore, you may have thought that what? That the way it worked was initially Tamar had, that Elazar had, um, right, that, 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 like this, that even though they both increased, maybe, the ratio was the same, but somehow it was, it was uh, a Lazar going from 8 to 16. Maybe Tamar was going from 4 to 8. We don't exactly know. Uh, we know that maybe they both grew. Tashma, base av echad achuz, le Lazar, achuz achuz le Tamar. It's not, so you don't get confused. That it was 8 and 8, really, and just an additional 8 was added to a Lazar, and you need both psukim to keep both the ratio and also the original number uh, straight, and that is how we put them together. That's the ode. But what we're left now is a real stira, however, to this Rav Chaim Bar-Guriyam What is this? We have one thing that thinks Moshe did only Shmona Mishmaras, and then we have this dissenting b'risa that says, brings you explicit psukim that makes it sound like Moshe Rabbeinu took it all the way to 24. So who brought it out to 24? Was it Moshe Rabbeinu back in the day, or was it only Shmuel and David after him? Says the, so that's what the Gemara asks. Tiyuf to the Rav Chama Bar Guria. We have a, we have this explicit, not only Bryce, we have the Psukim sound in the very young, sound exactly not like him. So Amar Lach, Rav Chama Bar Guria, Tanoihi. Right? We have really a battle of Psukim here. Right? Some of the Psukim make it sound like it was Shmuel and David who did it. And some Psukim make it sound like Moshe who did it. I don't know how you resolve it historically amongst the Psukim. But be that as it may, the Tanaim understandably have a machlokas as to what actually happened historically. So he says, In other words, Rav Bar-Guria is going to say, listen, I don't, want, I don't know what to, what to tell you. This is machlokas Tanaim as to how to read these psukim and, and tease out the history therein. No real halachic nafkamina, right? I know, as far as I'm aware. Um, but it's just a question of what was the history and there seems to be a conflict and that's Machlokas Tanaim. And so if Chaim Bar-Guria goes along with the Tana who holds that it was in fact David and Shlomo who brought it up to 24. Okay, so now we're two lines up from the bottom on Chavzayin Abedalev. Says the Gemara. More on this fascinating concept of Mishmaris. Don't worry about Arba Mishmaris Alumina Gola. Uh, so this is what we were talking about before. There were 24 Mishmaris, 24 families and they were living in Bavel and they were loving it. So such that when they had the ascension, right? Purim story happens. Ezra Sofer, who uh, is able to go and rebuild the second base of Mikdash, unbelievable, 
but only four out of the 24 families are willing to go back to Israel with him, and these are the families um, commemorated right forever, and those were the four families. As we turn to Chavzayin and Rebbeis, so the Nevi'im came, and so what are you going to do? You don't have all 24 Mishmaras, but you need to reinstate the Mishmaras. So you take the remaining four families and split them weiter, right? Each into six. And then you have a total of 24, right? They put it, as we know, from Yuma, that it's the lottery box. You put, them, you put the names in a hat. Right? So you split each family into six. So there were four families split into six. We're told 24. So Yadai's family was split into six. And Harm's family also split into six. V'kein Pashkor, v'kein Amar, each of the four families. V'kein Hitznu Devim Shebei Neim, Shafilu Yehor Yari Versh Mishmeres Ola, Lo Yedachi Yedayim Imkomo. So what happened? Like this. These four families were not prominent families at all. So you're going to say, what's going to happen when the Rappaports decide to make Aliyah? You know what I mean? Like the prominent families show up. We're going to be... We're holding their place, right? We're four families, we're four Nebish families that split into six. But when the real families that everybody knows come, they're going to take our place, right? So the said, no, 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 no. You have a special schus by virtue of the fact that you put yourself out there and decided to come such that even if, even if Yehoyorev, who is like the main mishpacha that everybody knew of the Kohanim in the Gullus, even if he decides finally to come to the senses and make Aliyah, Yedaya came first, and Yedaya will remain as the fixture, the first of the Mishmaros. El Yedaya Iker, the Yoharev Tafello. Right? In the Olam Hafuch of the material world, you might think Yoharev is a big deal. In the Olam of spirituality, in the Mishmaros, it's the Yedaya who's the Iker, and it's the Yoharev who's the Tafel. Okay? A Garano, it's Muslim moment indeed, that it depends on the Messiah Snefesh that you have of these four families that came um, once Eretz Israel. And it was really a blight on Klai Israel. Whenever they had opportunity to go to Israel and they didn't, um, that was always a cause of, uh, of, of great sorrow for, for the nation. Okay. So now the mission says, So you might recall that we said that the Kohanim and Levim, we understand what, what they're doing. They're going into the base of Mikdash and they're doing their base of Mikdash things. But what are the Israelim doing? So they're going into their shuls in Baltimore and elsewhere, and they read at the Sefer Torah, Maisabratius. So we ask when we learn the Mishnah, why Mehechatesa Maisabratius? Why Dafka Maisabratius? It's the Gemara. Mino and Emili, where do we learn this? Amar Yaakov Bar Acha, Amar Abasi. Rabaki Bar Acha, he was the one that wrote Mesechus Yuma, right? Was that him? Anyway, he says, Il Mali Mamadas, if not for these Mamadas, Lonitz Kaimishamayim Varets. So this is what we speculated on yesterday morning, Dan, that. This is the Tachlis Sabria, right? Is Avodas Hashem. Avodas Hamikdash is the Tachlis Sabria. And therefore, it makes sense to bring up the heaven and the earth. Let's bring it back to the original history, Shinamar. Let's go back to Avram Avinu. Remember this? The Brisbane Abbasarim for Yomar. Hashem Elohim, but me'e doki Yerishana. Right? Avram Avinu wants to know what, by which, by virtue of what will I inherit Eretz Israel? Avram, Amar Avram, this is what he meant when he said, but Avram is asking HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Rebun Shalom, Shema Yisrael Chotin Lefanecha, Ata Osem Kedor Mabul Chedor Haflaga. How am I going to know that we're going to be Yorish Eretz Yisrael? Maybe they're going to sin, and then maybe when they sin, you're going to bring the flood. So some of the Mepharshim asked, what do you mean? Hashem promised he's never going to bring a flood again. Yeah, okay, but he could still tsunami a city here and there. He just means he's never going to destroy the world again and start over. Okay. So Amar Lo, Lav, 
Hashem said, no, I'm not going to do that. Not going to happen. So Amar Lafanov, Ribbon Shalom, Hodiani Bimayar Shani. You know what? Let me know. How will I know? In other words, let's say they do, uh, uh, they do Averos. So how, what's going to save them from the destruction? So I'm like, Chali Egla Mishaleshes Vez Mishaleshes. This is where the conversation of Carbonus gets started, right? He says, and Egla, right, it starts to sound like Carbonus. He says, it's by virtue of these Carbonus. So therefore, it's this Avoda that we're doing in the base of Mikdash that's Mechaper for the Chatoim. So then Avram persists. Listen to this. Amar Alafanov, Ribbon Shalom. Tainach Bizman Shabbos Mikdash Kayim. Bizman Shain Bizman Mikdash Kayim. Mate Alehem. When we have the base of Mikdash, okay, so we can be Mechaper for our sins. But Nebuch now, whether we're in the Chorban or in the times we're in the Chorban, then we're going to be in the future. So what are we going to do to be Mechaper for our sins? Says Akadosh Baruch Hu, Bichvod of Atzmot Avram Avinu, Amarlo, Kvarti Kanti Lam Seder Karbonos. Yes, the Seder Karbonos, reading it. Reading Karbanos in the morning is equivalent to bringing the Karbanos, and it is that which brings Mechilas Avonos. Incredible. Reading Karbanos, right there, you'll have right sources, Rav Shechter, Shlita, and others who will tell you the importance of reading the Karbanos. Tanar Anche Mishmar, which Rashi helpfully changes to Anche Maimed, okay, um, so this is because this is talking about the members of the Maimed mm-hmm. who joined the Anshe Mishmar, as we will see. The Anshe Maimed will daven on their brethren who are the ones that are actually doing bringing the Karbanos, that it should be Makubal. The Anshe Maimed And the Anshe Maimed are also they are all going into Shul, the, the Bnei Yisrael, and they are right. Um, they are going in for the series of four fasts. In other words, when it's their week, when it's that week, they're going in, as we've already described in the Mishnah, they're going Monday through Thursday. So, and, what, and what do they do? So they fast, and we already discussed in the Mishnah the Kriyas that they read for the corresponding days, but now we see that they also daven for specific things. On Monday of that week, they daven al yordayam, specifically for the seat travelers. And, and the Mepharshim explained how each, Rashi explains how each one of these corresponds to the day of creation, right? Because that's the day of the waters is Monday, and therefore seat travelers. Right? On Tuesday, they're davening for the people who are out there on dry land, because Tira on the third day. On Wednesday, on that throat disease that the, the children shouldn't be afflicted by it, right? There has to do a little bit more with Maoros, which is like a, a curse. Same uh, Lashon. Bechamisha, Lubaros, Nikos, right? On, on uh, the fifth day, it says, Hamayim Sheretz Nefesh Chayyah, right? Hamayim Sheretz Nefesh Chayyah. The word Chayyah is living. The women are the ones that are procreating the earth here, and therefore you daven for them. On those who are Ubaros, who are pregnant, those who are Menikos, who are nursing, Ubar, Shalayapilu, the pregnant shouldn't chas for miscarry, and the right nursing, Menikos, Shanikos, Benayim, that she should be able to have sufficient milk to nurse their children, but as discussed, on Sunday and Friday, they would not fast. So Erev Shabbos and Friday, because of covered Shabbos. You don't want to go into Shabbos hungry and then like start eating like a pig. You want to go in dignified. And obviously, even though it's a full week rotation, on Shabbos you're not fasting at all. That goes without saying. Okay. So Gemara asks, my time alone. Why not on Sunday? I understand cover Shabbos for Friday. Why not on Sunday? So the Mishnah had already given an answer, but we put it in parentheses. We read it anyway. But the Mishnah said, you're going to pass out. It's going to be too much. Right? But we do fast on Sundays, as we noted then. 
So what would be the reason why they didn't fast on Sundays then? So I remember Rabbi Yochanan, we're going to have a bunch of ideas here. Rabbi Yochanan says a wild thing. Because of the, because, uh, what? So Rashi writes, It's their yontiv, and presumably you don't want to uh, upset the notesrim. Now, what, this is a anachronism, because the notesrim didn't exist at the time of this, uh, of Rabbi Yochanan. <laughs> Rabbi Yochanan predated Christianity. So who are these Nosrim? I mean, there were Nazareans, maybe it means from Yotzer. It's not, it's not simple to, to, to understand what he meant by Nosrim. Be that as it may, there were a group of people that kept Sunday. Apparently, Sunday was a thing. They didn't just make it up when they made Christianity. There was a whole thing where, uh, this, is, this would be a creative but upshot that some, some Mepharshim say. Nosrim, why do you have the word Nosrim? Maybe it's from the word Yotzer, as we'll see in the Gemara, creation. So they were like creationists. Why is Sunday the holy day for the Christians? Notzrim is Yotzer. They are celebrating the creation in general, right? We, as Jews, have Shabbos. That's a different thing. We see Shabbos, which is the day that Hashem rested, as the Tachlis Abriah. They see Sunday, the actual creation, as the Tachlis Abriah, right? The, they see, you could say maybe even homiletically, they see the Gashmias, right, so to speak. The materialism as the Tachlis Abriah. We see the spirituality of Shabbos as the Tachlis Abriah. Wow, an insight into Sunday versus Shabbos as the day of rest. Be that as it may, we don't want to upset them. You know, it's not worth it, so we don't fast. We don't turn it into a fast day. And again, uh, according, along with what we were saying, Sunday, a fascinating thing, it's the third day from creation of man. So what? Right? Yetzirah was the creation of man, which was on Friday. So as we know from Amavinu, on the third day, you're most vulnerable. And therefore, on Sunday, you're most vulnerable. And Sundays in general, did you ever have a Sunday headache? You feel a little schwach? It's because man was created on Friday, and now it's the third day. So Sunday, everybody feels schwach. So you shouldn't fast on the day that you're vulnerable. Right, as we say, on Erev Shabbos comes in the Shabbos with the Neshami Sarah, and B'motzei Shabbos, not only to me, Menno, right, and it leaves on Motzei Shabbos, which is why we have what? The Summim on Motzei Shabbos, because of the Neshami Sarah that's leaving, to compensate. Shnema, Shavas, Vayinafash. So, Kevin Shavas, right, Vay Avda Nefesh. Vayinafash, right, is a, is a, is an amalgamation of the Vay of the Nefesh, which is when Shabbos leaves, you're already losing the Shami Sarah. You don't want to be further depressed, and therefore you shouldn't fast. Uh, but as we see, we do sometimes fast on those days. Now, 13 lines up on Chazayin uh, and Beis. B'yoma Rishon, B'reishis v'yirakia. We were talking about what? The Kriyas Atariah that we did. So Tana, B'reishis b'shnaim. That this is already getting into issues that we talk more in Masechus Megillah. How do you split up the Kriyas Atariah? So the first paragraph, you'll have two aliyahs. And Yihirakia by Echad. Yihirakia, you'll have one aliyah. The Gemara asks, "Bishlemi Yirakia ba'echad." I can understand the Yirakia read by one person because lots of psukei havu. Because the minimum number of psukim you can have for an aliyah is three psukim, and you have that in Yirakia. And Abreishis b'shnayim, my time. How can you have two aliyahs for Abreishis? The hey psukim havayon. It's only five psukim. Five psukim can't be divided into three and three. You don't have enough psukim to divide into two aliyahs. It's not, and we learned in the Mishnah already. In we didn't learn it yet, but we learned it in Megillah Chav Gimel. So how do you divide, right? You can't have less than three psukim. So how are you going to divide five into less than three? So Rav Amar Two ways of doing it. Rav says, go back and read, right, the third psukim again. So you read three psukim, then read the last three psukim. Shmuel Amar Posik. Shmuel says an unbelievable thing. Split the third psukim in half. And so you'll read basically two and a half psukim. You could do that. 
Okay, so let's see. Rav Amar Doleg, my time alarm and posik. Why did Rav says Doleg and didn't split it? Kasavar a kopsuka de la paske Moshe and no paskinin lay. That makes sense, right? In other words, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't split the pasuk. What gives us the right to split a pasuk in half? That seems untenable. According, so the Gemara asks, Shmuel Amar posik umi paskinon. Can we really do it? Right along the same lines of the Gemara's question. How could he split pasuk? The Amar Rabbi Chanina Kra, or Chanina. Who was a scriptural expert said, Tsar Godol Hagadol. There's two Rabchaninas. This was Rabchanina, the Pasuk expert, and Rabchanina, the great. Yeah, when I'm teaching school children, children how to read, I can break up the Pasuk. However, right? Since in that particular case, you have to teach it in bite sized, digestible pieces. But to split it in Kriyasatara, never. So Shmuel, so Gemara says, no. How some time am I? In the case of school ch- children, you could divide Mishum to Lo Efshar because you, that's the only way to teach him. Hachanami Lo Efshar. So Shmuel would say, yeah, here too. You have no other recourse but to split the Pasuk. So then the Gemara asks, Shmuel Amar Posek, that is five lines up from the bottom of Chavzayin Abbeiz, where it continues to discuss Posek versus Doleg, and Bezrat Hashem will be Zoche to, uh, let's see, finish on, because tomorrow I'm in Detroit, we'll finish on Monday, Bezrat Hashem, Maseches uh, Tainus is the Siyam, and then resume with Maseches Megillah on Tuesday thereafter.